Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. All right, so if you don't know those ladies up on the screen... Uh, from across all three locations, uh, those were ladies who are part of our church community. And so we're super stoked to be starting a brand new message series today called Dwell. And we're going to be talking about dwelling in the house of the Lord and what that means, what that looks like. Uh, my name is Tim, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet. And I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Hope. And I'm super stoked if you're uh, to be with you. And if you're new here today... Um, here's what we're doing in this part of our, of our service. We're going to open up the Bible and we're going to look at some truth of God's word, of what he has to say. And the good news for you is if you're a follower of Jesus here today, this is life for you. This is, this is an anchor for you. This is, this is what we want to align ourselves with as we start our week, right? Of all things in our lives, we know this to be true. And if you're not a follower of Jesus here today, this is good news for you as well, because you get to hear the heart, the soul, the anchor of what causes so many people to reach out and receive the love of Jesus when it's offered to them and live their lives according to it. And so no matter where you're joining us from today, whether you're here, whether you're online, welcome to all of our online community, or if you're listening to our podcast at some point down the road, we're stoked that you're here. So we're ready. We're ready for God to, to do something here today to show us some truth and to meet us right where we are. Are you guys ready? Everybody ready? We, when we walk into this place, we don't like we're not in this to just simply check off a religious box. Right. Like, like if, if I were going to do that, I would I would I would sleep in. I would watch something at home, maybe. And, you know, I'm not saying that anyone who's watching is doing that, but but I would watch from home and I would just kind of go about my day. I'd go surfing. I'd go do some other things. I'd eat a burrito this morning, maybe get a breakfast burrito on the beach. And that's what I would do. But we're here today. You've tuned in today. You're listening today because we expect God to do something. Right? We expect God to do something. And so today we're going to open up his word and we're going to watch as God does something in our hearts. And so I'm going to take just a a few minutes here today just to sort of uh, focus us in on that particular thing. So, all right. So speaking of surfing, um, I had a I had one of those life moments not too long ago when I was out in the water. And so um, we had um, Easter weekend just happened, right? We had our Good Friday Paddle Out service. How, how many of you were there? Anybody go to the Good Friday Paddle Out service? Yeah, we had a lot of people there. All three of our locations, and then about 10 to 15 churches all throughout Santa Cruz County came. And uh, we sort of all gathered on Friday before Easter um, in Capitola in the village. And we had, uh, I think there was well over 500 people there from across our county. It was, it was an amazing time. And we had worship and and we were reminded of the truth of God, and then we, we went out into the water, and we had baptisms, and then we ended with the paddle out. And so we all paddle out there, and we gather in a circle, and it's really, 
I mean, I love everything about Easter weekend. The paddle out is probably my favorite part. I just, I love it. I love it. It's, it's our family. It's just so life-giving. And so um, the deal, though, is it had been a while since I'd been out in the water, right? And so um, I'm all stoked. I, I grab my board. I hop on my board. My family's just a little bit in front of me, right? So they're just... They're just like right there, just, just right there. And I start paddling, and I'm paddling with all my might, you guys. I'm like paddling, and about 30 seconds in, I'm, I'm feeling like, like the weight, physically the weight of the world on me. I'm like, what is happening right now? And I'm trying to paddle, and my family's getting farther and farther away. About halfway out to the circle, I was like, dear God, I'm not going to make it. What is happening right now? And, and I was like, but I got I to gotta get out there, right? I got to get out there. So, so I, I'm like, I just got to keep putting one arm in front of the other and get out there. And so I get out to the circle, and I, and I just, like, collapse on my board. I'm just like, I'm going to take a nap. You guys just do your thing. And if somebody could just kindly push my board toward the shore when you're done, I'm just going to sort of get, you know, I was so tired. I couldn't believe how far I had drifted physically just by having, you know, a, a time, a, a very short period of time where I wasn't in the water, right? Like I was just, and, I, and, and I'm, as I'm trying to get out there and get, sort of gather up the strength, I'm thinking, how did I get to this point? Right. Like I wasn't out of the water for that long. Like, how did I get to this point? Have you ever been in a place in your life where you've turned around and looked around you and thought to yourself, how in the world did I get to this point? Right. Maybe it's it's physically like you're just trying to paddle out and you're like, what's happening right now? Maybe it's mentally. Right. Uh, maybe it's, it's a physical thing. Maybe it's a spiritual thing. Uh, maybe it's a financial thing. Um, have you ever, have you ever just turned around and you, and you, you get like, like a credit card balance and you're like, whoa, that got out of hand quickly. Like what just happened there, you know, or, or maybe you're in a relationship and something happens and you realize, man, how, how did I get to this place in my life, right? And, and, you know, we all feel that because every January, right, we all feel the pressure to sort of reset ourselves and kind of get back to where we think our lives should be, right? So we set these goals and these, you know, we, you know we, we do all these things in the beginning of the new year to sort of realign our lives. And, you know, we all feel this pressure. We all, we all sort of know what it is that I'm talking about. Over the course of the next month, as we gather together around the scriptures, we're going to be looking at this, this concept, this idea, and actually this place of being that we call dwell. And it comes from Psalm 23 that you heard the ladies um, quote for us up here on the screen. And we're not going to walk through Psalm 23 verse by verse, but I do want to give you some context, like just lay some things out for you. And then we are going to jump into a teaching of Jesus here today that's going to help us understand the very first step in what it looks like to dwell. And you're like, okay, it's Tim. So, so, why, so what? Like, like, like why, why should I even want to dwell? Like, like what's, the, what's, what's the big deal about that? Well, in Psalm 23... 
it says this. It starts out with these words, the very opening words of this iconic psalm. In fact, if you've never read Psalm 23, maybe you're new here, uh, go read it. Go read it this week. And in fact, I'll I'll, uh, challenge you to read it every day for the next week and then come back and join us next Sunday and do that every day for this next month and watch what God does in your life. It's one of the most iconic psalms. It was written by a king whose name was David. He was a warrior. He was a king, but he was also a poet, right? And he wrote these amazing, amazing poems. And this is probably his most famous, Psalm 23. And like I said, we're not going to go through it you know, word by word, but it starts out like this. Does anybody know how it starts out? The Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, see, some, see, some, some people know some things. Um, the Lord is my shepherd. Um, this is the very opening line of Psalm 23. And really what it is, is it's a declaration of the priority of David's life. Right? He acknowledges God as his Lord. And this is a big deal. And if you've never heard this, what I'm about to say, this will change a lot of how you see following Jesus. There's a difference between Lord and Savior, right? Jesus is my Savior, yes, but he is also my Lord. A Savior is what somebody does for, uh, when they do something for you. Jesus, if you don't know the story, maybe you're new here, maybe you're just checking this out. Jesus, all God and all man, born of a virgin, miracle, right? God became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, John says. And he was born and he lived a perfect, sinless life. And when he was about 30 years old, he put down his carpentry tools And he began to gather people around him and teach them about the kingdom of God, the truth of who God is, as expressed through himself as the Son of God. And he lived a perfect, sinless life. And when he was 33 years old, he was unjustly accused. He was violently beaten. And he was brutally killed. Hung on a cross, put into a grave, And the good news of Jesus is that three days later, he was resurrected to life. And as he was resurrected, he brought victory over sin and over death and over hell. It was the most important moment in all of recorded human history. It's the good news of Jesus Christ, right? And and in this, he became our savior. He, He saved us from our sin. For anyone who would receive his love, he offers forgiveness of sin. It's amazing. It's the good news of Jesus, and he's our Savior. But there's a difference between Savior and Lord. And so being a Savior is what Jesus did for us. Being the Lord of our lives is how we respond back to him. The Lord of our lives means that we have submitted ourselves to him. That, that we take our will, as he said, we deny ourselves. We take our will and we put it on a cross every day and we follow after his will. This is the Lord of our lives. Now, for many of us, you've, you've invited Jesus to become the savior of your life. And that's amazing. And we're super stoked about that. 
but it's just the first step. The second step is that you then daily invite him to be the Lord or the leader of your life. And you submit yourself to his will. And what we know is that we're able to do that because he is good, right? And he will lead us, in, as Psalm 23 says, in the right direction. And he will bless us and he will give us everything that we need and he will walk with us and he promises all of that. And so we willingly give up our will to his because we know what we get in return is so much greater than if we just did it ourselves, right? Okay, so the Lord is my shepherd. Now, David was a shepherd boy before he became a king, and so he, he knows what this means. The Lord is my shepherd, meaning I'm a sheep, and he's the shepherd. He's in control. He's the one guiding and directing and giving me everything that I need, giving me food, giving me water, keeping me out of danger, loving me, caring for me, right? First and foremost, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, in the NIV, the New International Version that we use up from up front here usually, it goes on to say this, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You could take those eight words right there and live your entire life wrapped around them, and your life will be good. It won't be easy. Don't, don't, don't hear good, meaning you're gonna, you're gonna, it's going to be easy. But you can wrap your life around those eight words, and it will go well for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So we start with that. God in the place where he belongs. But as a result, we lack nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you in your life would you use the words, I lack nothing, to describe your life? Like, like is that, would you, would you be like, yeah, yeah, that's him. Oh, totally, totally. That's, listen, my, my entire life, yeah, I, I don't lack a thing. And yet, none of us would say that probably, right? I, I could start writing now and not be done by the time I eat lunch, probably, of all the areas of my life, all the things in my life that I feel like I need or maybe that I want. And I, I, I certainly couldn't just look at the, the overall picture of my life and just say, I don't lack anything. But I could do that. And you could do that. You, it's possible for you to live your life in such a way so focused on who Jesus is and what he has given to you that you could say with King David, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. There's nothing in my life that I need that I don't have in Jesus. And it doesn't matter sort of what the circumstances are in my life. Because of Jesus and his work in my life, I know that whatever I need to go through whatever gaps are in my life, I have it, right? It's this picture that David paints of, of, that's extraordinary. It's extraordinary in, in its depth. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Now that's how it starts. You go all the way to the end of the chapter, and here's how it ends. The last part of verse 6 says this. You anoint my head with oil... My cup overflows. Now this, you anoint my head with oil, it basically, it's a, it's a sign of honor. It's a sign of protection. 
Um, in a lot of cases, in the, in the Middle East, in this time of the world, um, you know, they, they didn't just like roll up to, you know, you know, Safeway and, and go inside and just buy some deodorant. Um, and an anointing oil oftentimes had spices and other things in them that would mask the smells that would come from a human body, right? And there were so many uses for this anointing oil. The oil also represents the presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God. And so King David says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell, there's our word dwell, in the house of the Lord forever. So here's the picture that King David is, is painting. The Lord is my shepherd. He goes before me, right? It's first. The Lord is my shepherd. Behind me, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. It's possible to live a life where the Lord God of the universe, the creator of the universe, goes before you, preparing the way, leading the way, protecting your way, guiding your way, providing for your way. Oh, and he sends goodness and love behind you so that you are surrounded on all sides by the goodness and the protection and the favor of God. It's possible that you could be in this place. And then the result of that the outcome of that is, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, the house of the Lord is not a physical place. This is not what David was speaking of. The house of the Lord is a phrase that was used to describe the presence of God. So in the days of David, there was a temple, right? And you would go to the house of the Lord and you would go into the temple and worship and offer sacrifices because that's where God's presence physically was. There was a place in the back of the temple called the Holy of Holies and God's physical presence filled that place as a sign of his relationship with the people of Israel. David here is talking about, though, a place in our lives where the presence of God is available, it's open, and we're able to go in and experience the presence of God no matter where, we, in fact, we take the presence of God with us. The Holy Spirit of God goes with us. And so there's a place in our lives where the Lord can be our shepherd and lead us, and the goodness and mercy and Love can follow us and we can be surrounded by his love and the presence of God goes with us and we will dwell. We will be we will remain. We will sit. We will we will be invited into the presence of God every living, breathing moment of our lives. How does that sound? Does that sound all right? Yeah. Like like who doesn't want what I just described? The hardest part of my day was stepping up here with the pressure of describing to you what I just did and trying to do it justice. Right? No, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm saying that's how good it is. Like, like, no, like we can't even do it justice. We can give it our best shot, and that was mine. But listen, that's it. Like, this is what's possible for the follower of Jesus. 
And over the course of this month, we want to explore this. What does it look like then to dwell, to remain, to be present, to sit, to be at rest in the presence of God forever? This is what we're going to explore this month. So we're going to be talking about health. And what does it look like to have spiritual health? Because what we know is that when we're in the presence of God, we experience true health in our lives. And so we're going to look at spiritual health. We're going to look at mental health. I'm not going to tell you which, week, which Sunday that is so you can avoid it. We're going we're gonna to talk about mental health. We're going to talk about physical health. We're going to talk about health in our relationships and in our finances and in every area of our lives. But first and foremost, it starts with the presence of God. Everything in our lives that is healthy and good flows out of intimacy with the Father. And that's a very intentional word that we use, intimacy. How would you describe your relationship with God? Would you use the word intimate? I don't know about you, but I sort of have a, a, an ebb and a flow. Sometimes I feel like it's so intimate that I just want to be carried off into the presence of God forever. Right? Like I could just be swept away and it's just amazing. And I sense God so closely. And every, it seems like every breath that I have, it's the, just the presence of God. And I, I hear his voice and I open up the scriptures and it's like, Everything just jumps off the page, right? And I, and I, and I sense his presence, and I, I, I have God will, will speak to me on behalf of other people. And I'll be with other people, and I'll be able to encourage them in ways that, that I would have never known to encourage them. But God's speaking, and I'm listening, and I hear, and I'm able to pass on the good news of God to somebody in a moment. Sometimes I'm in the presence of, of situations where we pray for healing, and someone is physically healed, right? There's just all kinds of, sometimes that happens. And sometimes I can't see God anywhere for the life of me. It's everywhere I look. I open up the Bible. I get nothing. I, pray, I spend time in prayer. I get nothing. I'm looking for God around me, and I get nothing. And I'm just trying, and, and can you relate? Can you relate to, to that experience? God would have us to walk down this pathway of dwelling with him consistently, intentionally, regularly experiencing a place of intimacy with him. This is the heart of God. So to that end, we're going to jump in then to John chapter 15. And this is going to be our passage today. We're going to walk through this teaching of Jesus. And he's going to teach us here how to abide how to dwell with him how to remain sit still be present with him now when i ask you how do you be present with god how do you dwell with god how would you remain with god one of the first things you might say is i read my bible or i pray or i fast maybe Maybe if you're like super spiritual, you fast. Um, maybe you fast. Maybe, maybe you worship. 
Maybe you worship music. Um, maybe, uh, maybe you give. Giving is an act of spiritual worship, right? And so maybe you give. Um, the first thing that typically comes to our mind when we talk about being with God are practices, right? Things that we do that connect us to God. And here's the truth that God wants us to explore here today. Spiritual health has less to do with practices and more to do with proximity. First and foremost, God wants us to be with him, to be in his presence, right? To, to, to settle in with him, and the practices simply become a way to do that. They're not the end goal. We don't strive to check off boxes of prayer and Bible reading and fasting and worship and giving and, you know, community and all of the different things. That's not our primary goal. Those are simply a, those are things that are a bridge to intimacy with God. Right. And so here's here's what John 15 says. Jesus says this. He's teaching his followers and he says it like this. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. So if we're going to understand intimacy with God, connection with God, dwelling with God, and living this Psalm 23 life that I just described, the very first thing we have to understand is that Jesus is the source, right? Jesus is the source. He is the vine. He's the one who gives life. You know, every time that, that I have the opportunity to step up here and open up the scriptures and walk through the scriptures with you, I have, a, I have a prayer that I pray every time that I step up here. And there's a story in the Old Testament of a prophet who God said, I want you to look out over this valley. And as a prophet Ezekiel, and look out over this valley. And as you look out over this valley, what do you see? And he said, I see dead bones scattered everywhere. And God takes him through a process where eventually God breathes life into those dead bones and they become alive. They become people. They become living, breathing things. God breathes life into it. And every time that I step up here, I pray this prayer. I say, God, if you're not in this, if you're not breathing life into the words that come out of my mouth, they will drop to the ground useless. Breathe life into these words, otherwise nothing happens. This is what Jesus is teaching us here. I am the true vine, he says. My father is the gardener. Now, as the gardener, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, it's interesting that this passage starts with pruning. And you're like, oh, Tim, no, come on. It was going so well. Don't. God, the gardener, comes in and every branch that does not bear fruit, he cuts off entirely. That's a whole nother message. That's a whole nother conversation. You can come talk with me about that if you want on the patio. But he cuts off. But every other branch that isn't quite bearing the fruit that it should, he prunes it. H have you ever pruned something? 
Um, if you don't know what it is, right, it's when a gardener will go in and intentionally cut off things, a part of the plant, so that the plant will grow properly. It'll be healthy, right? My wife is a gardener. She grows things. It's sort of what she does. She has a lot of other things that she does, but it's, this is sort of like what she really does. She grows stuff, and she's out there all the time, and she'll prune things away. She'll cut things away. God and his great love for us starts with pruning. Those things in our lives that disconnect or distract us from him, he has a mind to come in and sort of cut out of our lives. What in your life does God need to prune right now? What are those things in your life that distract or disconnect you to God. Now, there are the obvious things, right? Um, you know, maybe, maybe you're watching things that you know don't honor God. They're not helpful to you. They're not helpful to your relationship with God. They're not helpful to your relationship with other people. That's something that God would lovingly come in and keep away if you would let him today, Right? For some of us, um, instead of actually dealing with things, we go out to eat. We put food in our mouths when we really need to take care of some stuff. And it's a distraction for us. It's something that we do. And, and listen, I can, I can say this because I, I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. I, I would much rather like just try to fill a need with, with, let me, listen, I'm not filling a need here, but I want to tell you about this meal that I had. I got this, um, I got this from Trader Joe's, I got this, this loaf of, of challah bread, you know, if you've never had challah bread, it's like a Jewish thing, and it just sounds fun to say, like, challah, but it's not that kind of challah, and, and some of you are like, Tim, please, please don't ever let that come out of your mouth again, um, and uh, I got, I, I don't usually get it, but I, I got it. Just, I won't tell you the story, but I got this loaf of bread. And, um, and so I cut it up in these really thick slices. And I have, some of you are like, oh, you ruined it. I have a, I have a vegan um, um, uh, French toast um, batter that I, that I make. It's so amazing. And I cut this stuff up real thick, like real thick. And, um, and I made French toast on Saturday, you guys. It was amazing. And if I was going to wash down my sorrows... I would probably do it that way, right? And I would just eat myself uh, to, until I, I was distracted enough to not think about the hurt in my life or the things I needed to take care of. For some of you, it's procrastination. For some of you, um, some of you, maybe you've gone down a little bit of a harder road. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's whatever it is. There are all kinds of things in our lives that God would come in and want to prune. Now, those are the obvious things. How about the things that aren't quite as obvious? Attitudes of the heart, right? Indifference to the world around us, right? A lack of empathy or compassion for people, how about a refusal to offer forgiveness to someone? There are all kinds of sort of 
under the surface ways that, that we refuse to let God prune us. Now watch this. Look, look at the verse. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. God wants more for you. He wants more fruit in your life. He wants you to experience more of his goodness, more love, more peace, more joy, more, more satisfaction, right? He wants more of all of the things that when I told you a description of it and said, how does that sound? You applauded, right? Because you're like, yeah, I love that stuff. Who doesn't want more of that? It only comes through pruning. And so whenever you feel God sort of connect his way into your life in various ways, and it could be a message like this. It could be a conversation with a friend. It could be as you open up the scriptures or maybe you spend time in prayer, right? It could be any of those things. But when God points those things out, your willingness to let him do his work will determine your level of intimacy with him, ultimately determining your level of health with him. If you want to be healthy, if you want to have intimacy with God, you've got to let him prune you. And so I don't know what it is for you right now, but I know I have areas in my life, even now as I stand up here, I have areas in my life. You would think I would have like dealt with all these before I got up here, but there's just too many uh, of them. And so I'm, you know, I'm making my way through them. But there are places in my life where God is pruning me. And I need to allow him to do it or else the fruit won't come. Right? Okay. All right. Listen, we're like one verse in to the whole thing. So, so let's, let's go. Let's go. Here we go. Verse 3. You are already clean, Jesus says to his followers, because of the word I've spoken to you. These were his followers who had already chosen to, to go after him. So he's telling them, you're, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Now, remain in me as I also remain in you. Now, this is key. This word remain is the same as the word dwell. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This word remain is the same word. It, it means to sit with, right? To rest in. To be still in the presence of God. Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. It's a connection with Jesus that, that is characterized by obedience and trust and dependence. Right? It implies a sustained connection with God, fellowshipping with him, allowing his life and teachings to drive your life. This is what remain means. It's intimacy. And so, let me ask you this question. Jesus has just told us that his desire for you and for me is that we remain, that we dwell with him. How are you doing with that? If someone were to look at your life, like let's say you were to write down a journal this week of everything you did, would your life reflect remaining, dwelling, being still, being present with Jesus? 
just take stock, just take inventory in your heart and in your mind. Would your life reflect that if somebody got to see the details of your day-to-day? All right, let's keep going. Jesus says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He repeats it again. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, intimacy, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the promise of Jesus. If you'll make the commitment to be in relationship with me, do the things that people in relationship do with each other. Talk with me. Let me talk with you. Read my word. Love me. Love your neighbor. Do the things I've taught you to do, my commands, right? If you'll do these things, here's what will happen. You will bear much fruit. Much fruit. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. And so let's do a fruit inspection here today. How many of you would look at your life and say, right now, I'm bearing a ton of fruit. I've got fruit every, yeah. I'm a, I'll take questions afterwards, bro. Can we talk out there? It can be. It can be. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now I've had I've had fruit trees. I've had fruit trees, and I had a peach tree one time. I actually had multiple peach trees, right? And um, anybody in here ever had a peach tree? You, you've you've had them. Okay, so 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 you. As soon as I start to say this, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. When the peaches are ripe, you have about a week or two. They come in. Boom, they explode. They're, it's so amazing. They're so good. And there's so many. And you get out there. And we had no idea. We sort of, we, we inherited them. We kind of moved into this property. And they were, they were there. And we were like, oh, I wonder when those peach trees are going to, you know, bloom. And, and when we'll see the fruit. And, and all of a sudden, one day we go out there. And there's about four million of them that are so ripe and so tasty and so good. And, and I was like, oh, awesome. They're in. I, I, you know, all right, I better prepare for this. I'm going to, I'm going to start to get ready to harvest these things. You know, I'm a farmer now. And, um, and that first year we couldn't, we couldn't, we went out and as fast as we could get them off, we, we, we couldn't get them all. And we were, we were giving them away. We would bring like buckets of them to church on Sundays and just give them away to people. And our sons would go to the road. They set up a table on the roadside and they started selling them. And they were like, like, we were doing everything we could. We were giving them away. We were selling them. We were eating them. We were freezing them. We were jarring them. We were, like, like we, we did everything that we could. This is the life of fruit that God has in mind for you. That's the life God has in store for you. And if you're like, whoa, Tim, that doesn't describe my spiritual experience. Well, it can. It can. It's so amazing. 
God has offered this to us. He promises it to us. And if we're not experiencing it, it's just time to sort of go back to the gardener and allow him to do some work in our lives. Allow him to prune us a bit, clean us up. Not that we're like trying to get cleaned up on the outside and kind of, you know, uh, try to perform to a standard. But he's going to trim out the things that need to be trimmed out so that we can bear much fruit. It's an amazing life. In fact, here's, here's what the fruit is. Paul says it like this in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, right? So I enjoyed my challah bread, um, you know, French toast, it was amazing, but I'm not doing that every morning, right? Because it's not healthy for my body. I'm just not going to do it every day. That's an exception to the rule. I, I enjoy it when I do, but it's very rare, and I, and, and I just don't do it every day. You know what that is? That's a fruit of the Spirit. It's called self-control. And when I find myself in a place where I look back on a week, and I've had four days of challah bread, you know, thing, it's a... It's a temperature gauge for me. Like I turn and I go, God, what's happening right now? Why have I set down self-control and I'm now trying to like eat away my emotions? What do I need to look at here, God? What needs to happen? Gardener God, what do you need to prune in my life right now that's causing me to seek my comfort in food? What is it for you? That's the fruit of the Spirit. Now, watch this. Let's keep going. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up, they're thrown into the fire, and they're burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus just gives us the first step to dwelling. I don't want to load you down with a list of things here today. I just want to give you the first step. And he said, if you remain in me and my words in you, the first step for you is to engage his word. Is his word in you? How is your relationship with the Bible? Intimacy with the Father gives us spiritual health. And the best way that we have is to hold in our hands the very words of God. All right, you guys, let's look at this very last section. Now remain in my love, Jesus says. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you all of this today, Jesus says, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Who here doesn't want to live a life of complete joy? fruitful, living in the presence of God. It's possible. And over the course of the next month, we're going to explore what that looks like. But today, we have a choice to make. Are we going to choose to dwell with him? We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find Hope. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free. 
and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.